newsflash, women are different like yeah. men. And, you know, all business was created around how men view business from office hours to how cold it is in an office to the work outings to beer instead of wine in your at the parties, like all of these things. And it's starting to change. So I just want to be that female resource for female business women because we speak the same language. She might be a kind of real-life superhero. Her name certainly seems appropriate as she champions female empowerment and equality while playing an important role in supporting women to achieve their business potential. She's Jennifer Justice, co-founder at the Justice Department, a female-focused advisory and legal firm where she works with entrepreneurs, executives, talent, brands, and creatives in all stages of their careers. She's also a mom, and she's pretty impressive. Coming up, you'll hear why we can't just do it by ourselves if you want to grow a big business. The need to hire people who are real experts and have the right skill set. Discovering the meaning of dry powder. Dividing roles when working as partners. Being a great mom and running a business. Staying grounded and standing up for the right thing and how she uses what she learned from working with Jay-Z for 17 years. This is the Entreprenista Podcast, presented by Socialfly. It's the best business meeting you'll ever have with must-hear real-life looks at how leading women in business are getting it done. And what it takes to build and grow a successful company. It's beyond the gram. With no filters, no limits, and plenty of surprises. Today, I am so excited. Not only do I have the fabulous Jennifer Justice joining me today, but my co-host, Stephanie, is finally back, and I'm so excited to have her, and we'll actually be doing another episode where Stephanie will be sharing her story. But Steph, glad to have you back. I'm excited to be back, and I'm very excited to talk with Jennifer today. We spoke actually when I was in the hospital when I was taking conference calls from the hospital. Yes, yes. Welcome back. Thank you. I'm honored to be on this first show. This is literally <laughs> the first thing I yeah. have done besides doing work from home, but right. in person, the first time I've been doing anything back in the real world <laughs> since having the baby. So thank you yeah, for being here. True. And it's of so course, nice to thank finally you. meet you in person. Nice to meet you in person, yeah. too. So you've had an incredible career. How did you get into entertainment law? It was kind of a fluke. I I wanted to get into entertainment law. I had already applied to law school. I was already going to Cornell. And then I was living in Seattle and a lot of bands were from Seattle at the time. I was friends with them. And they were like, oh, you're going to be a lawyer. You should be a music lawyer. And I was like, yeah, great. I'll do that. You know, <laughs> <laughs> It's like when ignorance is bliss. And so I was like, I'll do that. And I just I actually started looking into it. And found that there were a lot of women music attorneys, and they were representing the bands that I knew. And I went to Cornell Law School. It's not known as the most (laughs) intellectual choice as a lawyer, you know. And so, uh, you know, coming from Cornell, it was like, okay, well, I'll do that. It's more business law, like an entertainment lawyer. And so, you know, people are Supreme Court justices, et cetera. And, you know, I'm going to be an entertainment lawyer. Um, Did Cornell have music law classes? No, you don't really have – no, you don't have that kind of – they had intellectual property, but they didn't have like sports entertainment that they used to have. So it wasn't a class at all. But it's what I wanted to do. And then the more I looked into it, the more I realized that it's an area of law that I could actually get clients because 
I wasn't going to get them in big Wall Street firms. I didn't have parents connected to, you know, other people in business. And, you know, I wasn't from New York. I didn't go to school or, you know, boarding school with anybody. Like, you know, so I was like, I think I can get clients doing entertainment law. After you graduated from law school, you became a partner at your first law firm after only three years. Mm -hmm. Is that fast? I'm not sure. It sounds fast to me. Well, it's fast. You know, it's fast in the whole broad scheme of being a lawyer. If it was like a big law firm, that would never happen. You know, smaller boutique entertainment law firms, you know, yeah, it was it was still really fast. And it put some pressure on some of the competitive law firms for the uh, my my colleagues, you know. <laughs> How did you really land that first job without much experience? Well, you don't get it. You know, you don't have any experience yeah. right out of law school anyway. I When I was interviewing um, between your first and second year of law school, like at the end, big schools like Cornell and Harvard and stuff have like these job fairs basically just for your school. And they'll take over – New York City hotels and you just have these back-to-back meetings and there was a guy that was interviewing me for this company for this law firm Hughes Hubbard and Reed which is ultimately where I went and he was like you know with long hair and a ponytail and I was like this is weird <laughs> and um he was like oh you're from Seattle you want to do entertainment law I was like I'm not supposed to be telling you that like I'm interviewing to be in a big Wall Street law firm and he was like just come here for a while learn how to be a real lawyer for like a year or so and then you can go and and I'll, I know some people in the music industry. And then that's exactly what happened. But before I got to Hughes Hepburn Reed, he had already left. And he's like, I have good news and bad news. Bad news is I'm leaving. But the good news is I'm going to work for Polygram Records. So I'll really know a bunch of people then. And that's exactly what happened. And when Elliot Groffman left, left Grubman and Dursky, he talked to Charlie and said, do you know anybody who would be good? We're hiring an associate. Like I want somebody from a big Wall Street kind of firm. And that was me. You know, so I was brand new. And what did you do during those three years until making partner that led to to that offer? Well, I think part of that was because I communicated with artists. You know, it was like my first week there, Pearl Jam was playing at Madison Square Garden and I had a friend – you know, who worked with them, I'd met them all, I'd known them. And somebody came over and gave me all access passes. <laughs> and my partners at the firm were like, how How did you get those? Like, you're brand new in the music industry. And I was like, what? I know Pearl Jam from Seattle. <laughs> like, why wouldn't I? You know? And so they were like, oh, okay, I guess she knows some people in the business. And I, so I brought in clients very quickly. And when I first got in, they were going through their whole litany of artists that were like big at the time. And it was like Dave Matthews Band and Marilyn Manson and Sugar Ray and Tricky and, you know, Sinead O'Connor. And then like, oh, we have this young hip hop artist, Jay-Z, about to release this album, Hard Knock Life. And I was like, oh, I love him. Reasonable Doubt's my favorite album. And they're like, how do you even know who he is? You know? Um, so you were always into music. Seattle, like, yeah. you know, we are really into music and you would get like they had so many A&R people up there trying to sign bands and they would give you advanced copies of albums. And, you know, you just had so much access to unreleased music or new music. And yeah, we just I guess, it's, you know, what what is that like luck meets opportunity kind of situation? Well, it sounds like you were a great networker, too. Yeah. I mean, without knowing that, you know, I didn't know I was networking yep. at the time. <laughs> I was just having fun. And so it seemed like a, you know, a place where it's like I could use my law degree and, you know, I was passionate about, you know, kind of great mixture. So walk us through how your experience being an attorney there led to you now starting your own business. Well, when I started as well, 
one of the partners was like, you know, we represented our, obviously we represented all musicians, but we also were representing a lot of executives. And he was like, look, you know, do all the executive, you know, employment agreements. That way you get to meet them all. And it's really about knowing people in the business. And that's how you get, you know, things done. And so I was negotiating a deal for a guy who was like a director level in um, the music industry at a music publishing company. And he was getting, I don't know, like 130 or something like that. And then I did a deal for the senior director and the same company that had signed people, had more experience, and she was getting 90 because it was a woman. And then I was like, wait, this isn't – how is this fair? Like how is this even remotely okay? So I um, I called bullshit on it and I said I want to like – I want to try to get her more money. And he was like, okay, great. Go ahead and try. So I did get her like $10,000 more, but then that – like became my quest for like, wait, are men and women not really treated equally in business? Because I mean, is that, that's crazy. And then so it was the beginning of me representing executives and noticing the trend that continued on to the highest level, EVP. And but you know, I represented somebody who was an EVP in one company and another, a man in another, and he was making way more money than the woman. I, you know, got into female empowerment and equality, you know, a long time ago, way before it was cool. (laughs) Way before, you know, even other women were like, no, I'm not a woman. Don't talk about it. And so it just led me down this path to constantly being involved in, in women's equality and always trying to champion them and, you know, get equal pay, et cetera. Have you ever experienced that personally in any of the law firms that you joined? I have not because I've been so hyper-conscious of it and you can probably tell I'm pretty opinionated. Um, So no, it has never personally happened to me. It happened to me one time where I – you know, made it very clear that I wanted to be the highest paid in one of my previous positions. And then I had to find out like randomly that they had made an offer to somebody who – there's no way, like they should have been making more than me, maybe equal. Where they were gonna about to pay a hundred thousand more, and I was pissed. Obviously, what did you do in that moment? I, I mean, it made it known yeah. that I was like, this is not okay. Uh, they tried to explain it away in different different ways, but you know, um, ultimately that guy didn't take the job, so it never became into fruition. But you know, I was like, this is this is not where I, I want to be anymore. I like I I continue to try to work within the system and it just it's not changing within mm-hmm. the system. So how can I change the system outside of it? And then, you know, so long-winded way I f- to answer your original question, which is well, how did what I was my original question. <laughs> which is how did I get to what I'm doing now from where I was and that was, you know, I was, you know, why am I not just doing it myself? Basically. Yeah. You spent a lot of your career working with Jay-Z. Yeah. Can you tell us more about that? Well, for 17 years, I was his basically personal attorney, entertainment attorney. And so, so did he, he recruit I, you from the law firm? No. So he had just gotten to that law firm, um, Carol Guido and Groffin. And then I joined maybe three to four months later, I think, or six months later. And he hadn't, um, and he was about to release Hard Knock Life when I got there. So it was probably two months before the release of that album. And, you know, so he wasn't that big at the time. And so I was doing all of his legal work. And, you know, he was very innovative and visionary. So, 
he was doing things much differently in the music industry than other people had done. So I, you know, we grew up in the business together. And then when I, you know, I was part of the team that did the deal for Rock Nation with Live Nation to start, I had also been, he was partners with, he still is partners with um, Tyron Smith, Tata, and Jay Brown. And I was their personal attorneys as well. <laughs> and so, you know, they formed, you know, Rock Nation and then they asked me to come in-house to be the general counsel. And then I eventually became the EVP. Um, so I worked with him at Rock Nation as well. Yeah. So it's a long time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Going up in the business with somebody like that who is, you know. Do you have any fun stories to share? I mean, ultimately, <laughs> here's the thing. I was we his attorney. Ask, although you right? can't share anything. That's There's true. no fun, more fun stories. Like somebody asked me this before and I was like, he actually tells the stories way better, you know. In the, in, we got to get him on yeah, here with you. Yeah, exactly. You should just call him up. I'm sure he'll do it. Um, <laughs> So, I mean, like, yeah, it's, it was all an amazing ride. I mean, remember, like, he – at one point, he retired, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm not going to do that. this anymore. And then, like, he's back on. And so it was always a wild ride because he was, you know, the underdog and he, you know, boycotted the Grammys yeah. because, you know, he was nominated for a time, but none of them were going to be televised because they didn't put hip-hop on air. And, you know, so he was just – always pushing the envelope and I didn't really know any better because I was like, oh, this is how it's done, I guess, you know? Did you ever give him advice about some of the decisions he was... I mean, we always talked about stuff, of course, yeah. Yeah. Um, You know, he looked to to me and the other, you know, attorneys that were representing, like, you know, the other partner, Michael Guido, like, we, of course, there were times that, you know, maybe he didn't want to clear a particular song in a, in a certain way or, you know, just there's a lot. Like, and it was all about copyright and his yeah. ownership of his masters. And, you know, these are his real assets yeah. that mean a lot and they're worth a lot yeah. and personally and professionally and financially. So why um, did you yeah. ultimately decide to leave and then join Superfly? Well, I left not knowing what I was going to do. I'd been with him for a really long time. I had come, you know, from Washington State, from, you know, my my mother didn't graduate high school. Like, it just, I was always the first in the family. And, you know, my legacy with him was set. Like, you know, we had accomplished so much. Obviously, he, you know, is still going and accomplishing more. But I was, you know, I had this interest in female equality. I had transitioned from being an attorney to an EVP on the, doing more on the business side of it, even though... You know, you have to understand for, like I said, attorneys are in entertainment business more business oriented mm-hmm. because they really do agents typically handle the live experience. They don't aren't typically involved in the record label side or the publishing or, you know, those other aspects of an artist's career. So a lawyer at their manager really create all the business terms for the artist. So the business portion of it was always really interesting mm-hmm. to me. And I wanted to push that and see what else I could do. And so I left, you know, I wasn't going to go try to find a job behind Jay-Z's back. Like it was never going to happen. I wanted to be honest and say, look, I just, I want to figure out what what my next move is going to be. And I want to explore this business side. I want to explore this female equality side. And, you know, my kids were two and a half and, you know, they were starting school, preschool for the first time. So I thought it was just a really great time to kind of push the envelope. It's probably actually four years to the day, I think, that I quit. I resigned around like the end of June and I left around the end of July. I think it was maybe the 17th, 18th, 19th, 20th, somewhere around there. (laughs) Yeah. So it's been four years and it was a really hard decision, but I was like, I need, you know, I need to 
prove to myself, like, am I any good? Are people mm-hmm. like, um, can I just do these things because I, I'm with Rock Nation and Jay-Z? Like, I just really want to push myself and learn more and have people see me other than just as an attorney mm-hmm. and see me more in a business capacity. And so Superfly came along because I met them when Jay-Z headlined Bonnaroo in 2010. And I really liked what they had done in festivals. They were raising some money. They were expanding. They needed somebody who was more strategic. And so they created this role for me, being like the president of corporate development. It gave me another skill set, you know, gave me a different title. It was just a totally different kind of culture. And so it was like a really great experience for three years. But ultimately, I was like, I need to do something that's for me and that's you know, I was working basically in the system all day and trying to overthrow the mm-hmm. patriarchy at night. And I was like, okay, like I need to meld these two. Just got to focus. <laughs> yes. So tell us about the Justice Department and how you were able to, to start your own company. I knew that there was a need for female business strategy and like advisory and legal just because the inbound of people going – I don't know who to hire. Like, I, you know, I feel like I'm being patronized by my male attorney and they call me sweetie and just listen, Mm. don't worry about it. I got you. You know what I mean? I'm not being, nothing is being explained to me. And then, you know, so that's one side. And then the other was, I was, you know, talking to some female founders about being a president or CEO level and coming in and helping build their business. And, and that sounded great, but I was like, I really wanted to do it for a lot of women Mm. and not just one. And while coming up and being a lawyer was not exactly what I was looking to do, I really just didn't want to look at paperwork anymore, my overwhelming desire was to help women in Mm -hmm. business and to give them the confidence to negotiate for themselves and get them the best deals and ultimately make them rich because I feel like I was – I know that when women have as much money as men that this world will be a much better place because it will be used completely differently. And so that was just my main motivation. And so I started thinking about it about a year ago. And then knowing that my deal with Superfly was was coming to an end, it was just a great time for both of us, actually, for Superfly, too, to get rid of my big salary. And they had moved, you know, they had grown a lot. And um, for me to start this. That's awesome. Coming up, you'll learn more about the Justice Department and a meaningful surprise. In just seven months, your company already has around 60 female clients and, in your words, a few woke men. Mm -hmm. I'd love to hear more about the decision to provide services to women-owned businesses. I just saw a need that, after getting to know a lot of really amazing and powerful women, that there is not a lot of information that is given to them as women in business. And we tend not to want to ask a lot of questions because we don't want to look stupid because we're mostly sitting in rooms full of men and we want to seem like we know just as much, even though they don't know half of the things, but they have a whole network of men to go and ask the questions to. And they have been groomed from birth, basically, to understand business and ins and outs of it. And having sat in those rooms with men and actually understand most business and 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 
also been the woman who didn't understand it, you know. I wanted to be, you know, a resource for other women to feel free to ask what they would think is a stupid question, which usually isn't a stupid question, or, you know, be themselves and really and really explain to them what they're signing mm. and what they're how they're building their business and making sure we don't hear any more stories about like the cap table where the woman has 0.5% of what's the, what everyone thinks is a billion dollar company and they're not standing to make anything because we've heard too many of these stories. And we just – newsflash, women are different like yeah. men. And, you know, all business was created – around how men view business from office hours to how cold it is in an office to the work outings to beer instead of wine in your at the parties like all of these things and it's starting to change so i just want to be that female resource for female business women because we speak the same language of course mm-hmm. and we of course have a lot of female business owners who are listening to our podcast yeah. so for those who are listening how does your company how can they work with you how can you help mm-hmm. them can you share more about the structure yeah. of your business and what it's like? We're basically two different companies. One side is a law firm and, you know, that has its own rules and regulations because we're, you know, we're all members of the bar and we can represent you as an attorney and it's everything from all general corporate, entertainment, media, partnerships, sponsorships. You know, pr- there's a, we can cover a lot of things mm-hmm. and if we don't have your area that you need, then we'll probably hire them soon because we want to be mm-hmm. a resource for female attorneys as well because that area of law and the law firm just needs to be massively disrupted. It has not been disrupted forever and there's over 50% of women go to law school and, and, you know, a much lower percentage of female partners in law firms. So that's one area. And then the other is we have a consulting strategy advising side of it as well to be the pop-up executive team slash college roommates dad network slash <laughs> like just general strategy partner for like female founded companies and brands that are Probably four to five years in. I mean, some we have that are just starting out and we're like advising, but like helping them navigate outside of their day to day because they have a bunch of inbound and they're like, I don't even know how to vet these things, you know? So they'll get something and be like, well, we want to pay you $50,000. And like, no, we don't want it. And so they don't even have somebody to like help them outside of their day to day for their growth strategy. And so that's where we come in and really help them like think about those things, take things off of their plates, negotiate deals for them and vet deals for them and then source deals for them that they are thinking about doing but just don't even have the time. Can you talk about who some of your clients are? Yeah. So we have, I mean, all over the board. So Gretchen Carlson is a client Mm -hmm. of ours. Iskra Lawrence, uh, you know, airy model and, you know, just an amazing brand in and of herself, body positive, just advocate in general. We have uh, Cleo Wade as a client of ours, Megan Smith, the former CTO of America, Shift 7. How have you Um, been getting your clients? Because you've 60 clients in seven months. That's amazing. I I think we have now 70 now. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. It's every day we get a new client because it's all word of mouth and then referral, 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 because it's necessary. I mean, that's, you know, what it's become abundantly clear. So we're growing very quickly. I mean, the first thing we needed when we started our business was 
legal help. <laughs> so, we still do. We always every do. Every day. <laughs> we always do. And that's one of the biggest things that like, because women weren't around business. And for some reason, we think that we can do everything. Like we don't do our own hair. We don't do our own nails. We don't watch our own children. Most of the way we're working. Like but for some reason on business, we think we can do everything. And we can't. Mm. And men know that from the very beginning that they hire. They surround themselves with a bunch of people who, who are experts in different things. And that's what's holding us back to think that we all can just do it by ourselves. Yeah. And, you know, everybody's sitting in a co-working space on a laptop by themselves. There's no enterprise value in that. There's no growth in that. You need to hire those people that are the real experts mm -hmm. that can help you. And you might be able to do it okay, but you definitely don't have the time and the skill set. It sounds like you're growing so quickly. Are you hiring now? And what roles are you looking for? Yeah. So we just took on a woman that, you know, that's counsel and she is helping with some backlog of stuff. Yeah, we are definitely looking because we don't want to turn anybody down. Yeah. We want to be able to provide the resources for all the women that need it, you know? Do you have a lot of women who are coming to you who are first starting businesses looking for help? Yes, we do. And we are working with some of those as well. Okay. And, you know, helping them with their corporate formations, yeah. understanding how that can grow and scale, you know, explaining cap tables to them, but also just with like general paperwork, making sure they understand that they should have a partnership agreement or an operating agreement. Should they raise money? Do they need to raise mm -hmm. money? You know, do they have a scalable business? So sometimes we come on just like as an advisor and advisory board stuff. How much beginning. is your job, um, you know, talking to clients and advising them versus actually managing the business? And mm, Yeah, that is – right now, because I don't have a lot of employees, yeah. it's not like managing it is that much. Mm -hmm. It's just, you know, I, you never know where your day is going to take you. You think like, oh, I can really focus on these like, this, like paperwork for our clients and then like something happens and blows up and you're mm -hmm. on 20 calls in a day. So um, it's, you know, right now the managing part of the business is not as hard, but it's going to obviously increase. What's the best piece of advice you can share to someone who is first starting out in business? Mm -hmm. I think it's a little bit what I just said. Like, don't think you can just do this by yourself yeah. if you really want to grow a big business. If you want to look, what's happening is we have a lot of like mom and pop shops without the pop. You know what I mean? And that's fine if that's like a lifestyle what you want, business. a lifestyle yeah. business. But if you want a, a high growth or a scalable business, you're not going to do this by yourself. Yeah. Like no one ever did it by themselves, Absolutely. you know? And so really find great advocates, great partners, great executives, employees, great accountant, great attorney, yeah. you know, great advisory board, ask questions, find people that you don't feel stupid asking questions because nobody knows everything. I'm learning every day in business, you know? And, you know, thankfully I've had a long enough career that I don't feel stupid asking questions. Like I was on this call not long ago and it was all guys and they were talking about, you know, they're raising money. I was helping the v, the private equity company. I'm listening in. This guy keeps talking about dry powder. And I was like, what is this dry powder? <laughs> and I was like, so I Google it. And I was like, oh, it just means extra money. Is it that hard to just say like, I want additional money? No, you have to call it dry powder for some stupid Ooh, I didn't reason. Know that. No, I didn't know no one. That. I was like, Why oh, would it's you? a powder company. <laughs> no, it's so stupid. It's like, 
Okay, so there's all these I'm like, like how terms. How even being used on a call? That's so. <laughs> no, because the company who wanted to raise money, it's like, well, we want we want this much money for X Y Z. You know, these employees, executives, buy some catalogs, and then we want some dry powder. I was like, what does that mean? I, you know. Thankfully oh for Google, like <laughs> yeah. before that, you'd be like, I don't know what it is. You'd have to actually ask somebody. So, you know, it's like I look stuff up every day, you know, <laughs> it's just all these ridiculous terms that don't need to exist for any reason and, you know, makes you feel stupid. Right. And so you have to be around people and you have to ask questions and you have to put yourself out there because being an entrepreneur, as you know, is putting yourself out there yep. no matter what. Thinking back on your career, was there a time where you made like a huge mistake and you just wasn't sure how you're going to recover from it? I mean, I we were just Stephanie and I were just talking about when I first had the kids, the brain fog that you have. I made more mistakes as a lawyer then than I ever did in my career, and you know that like postpartum is real, and uh, I you know I think it's something that everyone needs to realize that like. Your brain is in a total fog and you can, you know, really mess up some things. And, you know, <laughs> the allowance. Courtney, you ready for, for this? <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. It's a crazy time. All these hormones are still in your body trying to be released. You know, if you have a boy, you have boy hormones in your body. You know, it's just really? it's a lot of, that. you know, there's a lot of things that your body is going through. It's, you know, it's a total freak, you know, it's totally crazy. Like this whole biology of what your body can do and the science of it. So that, like, it was pretty disappointing because I was so type A and, you know, making sure that I always, you know, did the right thing. So that's like some actual applicable like mistakes that I made that I don't know how I would have done it any other way given that I think I was like my kids were maybe four months old at the time three and a half months old I think but you know I think in general I mean like a lot of everybody makes mistakes I mean I'm in mistakes thinking that you know my I was on top of the world my career was the best you know not really paying attention you know many times of like not really focusing on real growth of myself Mm. you know emotional intelligence or thinking you know because what I was doing it was like better than other people you know I've gone through all those kinds of ups and downs in my career but it all led me to this right Mm. so yeah Never a lot of mistakes. Where your path is going to take you. <laughs> exactly. You end up where you're supposed exactly. to be. Exactly. You know. Is there one in particular that you can share? I mean, off the top of my head, I can't think of like one thing because I just feel like there's so many ups and yeah, downs. And I mean, yeah. coming from where I came from, and nothing like, you know, no one in my family going to college or whatever, like anything that I've done has been a massive success and an accomplishment from where I was supposed to be. So I never see it as some kind of defeat thing. Mm -hmm. It's more like, all right, well, maybe I should have, you know, thought about that a little bit more. Maybe I should have worked harder for this client, or maybe I should have not taken on this client, or maybe I should have stood up for myself, you know, and this, like, like, there's no one kind of defining moment that I think I've had that has been like, oh, this big mistake. I think there's a bunch of – a lot of series of small mistakes. <laughs> you've been able to apply everything you've learned and all the mistakes to now helping, yes. helping other entrepreneurs yes. and women in business. Yes. Hopefully. Was there a time looking back that you're most proud of? Because as entrepreneurs, we're always on the go. We're always on to the next thing. Yeah. And rarely do we take a moment and be like, oh, wow, I feel good about whatever it is that just happened. I mean, I think starting the Justice Department really because I was like – 
how did I not do this sooner? Like, this is crazy. And I think after Rock Nation, it was it was a consideration, but it wasn't like, I was like, I don't know. I don't really just want to go back to the And I don't think that women were ready, to be honest, that the Me Too moments had not happened. Gretchen hadn't, like, started her lawsuit, you know? So it was, um, I think everybody was ready for it. And so it was all timing, you know? But this is like how late my career has been has definitely been made me the most proud. And knowing that there were so many women who want our services and are so supportive of us that that's like incredible. Yeah. When we met in our office, what was it like two months ago now? Yeah. I was so impressed with all the services and all the things that you're doing. And hopefully one day we can be clients of yours. And something that Stephanie and I like to do is surprise and delight our guests. So I think now is the appropriate moment to really celebrate the Justice Department. And we have a gift for you. In oh. It's a swag bag. Yeah, and then right I think here? there's a white bag next Behind to your you. desk. Oh, a desk. Open that one first. Open that one first. <laughs> okay. Wow. Oh, my God. Look at <gasps> da, da, da. Look at you on Billboard. It's your Billboard article frame so you can hang it up in your office. Thank you. I so appreciate it. I never would have done it myself, so thank you. <laughs> we never do those things for ourselves. So. I know. Never, right? <laughs> it's of a course. Lot, it's an effort to do that for yourself. So Yeah, it just feels a little narcissistic, nice. too. Well, you <laughs> look be, at me. You should be proud of it. <laughs> no, it was amazing. I mean, Tatiana, who did the article, she was awesome. She reached out to me after seeing me speak at something for the mayor's office and um, I was kind of like nervous about doing it. I'm like, really? Should I do it? Okay. She's an amazing photographer, Lisa Holgrave. And a friend of mine put together like how many women need um, a headshot. And so we all just signed up for time slots. She had hair and makeup. We did it at spring, which has amazing light. And she did all of us. So, but now it's been used a little. I think I need a new window. It's been used too much, but oh my God, this is so nice. Thank you. We have to celebrate. What an accomplishment to... Thank you. Awesome. And we have lots of goodies for you inside oh, your Entreprenista swag bag, too. Amazing. Oh, look at you two. This is great. Thank you. Up next, dividing your roles as business partners. Hey, Entrepreneurs! Stephanie and I love sharing ways for you to get inspired. We love Audible. And I have a great audiobook recommendation for you. Audible delivers bestsellers, business, self-improvement, memoirs, and more, all professionally narrated by actors, authors, and motivational superstars like Rachel Hollis, David Goggins, and Mel Robbins. Audible members can also get free access to the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, and Washington Post delivered daily to the Audible app. With the convenient app, members can access Audible at any time, at the gym, while commuting, on the go, and on any device. It'll always pick up right where you left off. Audible also delivers free and easy audiobook exchanges, credits you can roll over for a year, and a library you can keep forever even if you cancel. Explore all the ways listening to Audible can help improve mind, body, and soul with entertainment, information, and inspiration. I also wanted to share one of my personal favorite audiobooks. It's The Four Agreements. This is a book that I constantly go back and listen to several times each year. And every single time I listen to it, I learn something new. So today I challenge you to go on Audible and download The Four Agreements and let me know what you think. Start listening with a 30-day Audible trial and your first audiobook plus two Audible originals for free. 
Visit audible.com slash entrepreneurista or text entrepreneurista to 500-500. Jennifer, I know you're probably used to always giving the advice to probably anyone who talks to you wants advice from you. Probably a lot of free advice sometimes when you're just <laughs> yeah. walking down the street. But we want to be helpful to you right now. Mm-hmm. And you've now just started a business. We've been in business for how many years now, Courtney? Seven, Seven plus years. Seven plus years. We lose track of time. Yeah. So we're going to do a new segment now, Turn the Tables, mm-hmm. where you can ask us anything so we can be helpful to you. Well, I think one of the things that's most intriguing when I'm talking to women who are starting businesses, especially female-founded businesses, is how is it when, you know, two female founders, when you go into this business, you're like, okay, we have, I think we have the same vision, but like there really has to be a division of labor. Yeah. You can't be doing the same thing. And so I'd love to hear your evolution about when you started and then where you are now yeah. and how you divide the, the labor basically and also how you deal with any conflict. So when we first started the business, we can probably honestly say like we really did not know what we were doing as probably most business owners have yeah. no idea when you haven't started a business. Right. We were figuring out as we went along. But from the very beginning, what was clear is my focus was going to be on sales and marketing. So meeting new clients, signing new clients, and doing the marketing for the agency. And Courtney's focus, because of her background, was going to be on the operations and finance. So from day one, we divided and conquered in our business to really get us to where we are today. And it's so important because otherwise you're both doing the exact same thing. So finding a business partner with opposite skill sets is definitely something that – that we like to advise people or share. But as the business has evolved, things have definitely changed over time. And of course, you know, I've been out of the office now for physically for exactly six months. So things really had to change over the last six months. I did what I could do from the hospital, but Courtney's been doing business development and our other business development manager, she also has been out on maternity leave too. So this hero over think, here has uh, – This year has been the craziest year of my life. someone needs a vacation. Yeah, she's going on vacation. Well, yeah, I don't – yeah, I'm going away soon, thank God. But yeah, and, and just to add to what Stephanie said, and it's interesting because when we first started the business together, we started because we were both passionate about social media. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't like, oh, Stephanie, you're this way and I'm this way and this is going to make the business work. It was actually a great, I guess, coincidence, accident, whatever you want to call it, that we are so different. And it really wasn't until – because she – Stephanie kind of fell into her role. I fell into my role. And we didn't – I don't think we really talked about it (laughs) from what I can remember. And it wasn't until we started seeing a business advisor named Leslie that she actually made us like write out all of our responsibilities and then – it was now on paper, like Stephanie's responsible for this and you're responsible for this. And that mm-hmm. clarified a lot of things. Right. And I think at that point there was a lot of like overlap mm-hmm. and like who's doing what and who's responsible for what. Yeah. And I wish we had done that sooner. But yes. I think that's so important for anyone who's starting a business with any co-founder, whether you're male or female, to like sit and say, okay, you're responsible for this and you're responsible for mm-hmm. this. And that didn't happen probably like four years into the business or maybe three years into three, the business. And then now, like Stephanie said, over the past six months, I think we're at a really interesting time in the business. And when Stephanie is officially back in the office, we'll have to probably do that exercise yeah. again yes. because the business is so has changed so much. 
over the last six years. So ask us again in like two months. I love it. It'll <laughs> yeah, probably yeah. change, but I think that's so important to like. It is. You know, there's talk, say, okay, this is how the business has changed and who's doing what now and what does the business need? How do you figure that out in your business? Well, you know, we were all lawyers and we, you know, so we can bring in our own business. But I had like, I had set it up first, you know, and and kind of the company thing. And then, yeah, now, but now we're figuring it out. Like we know each other's skill sets Mm -hmm. um, and expertise. So that becomes pretty obvious. And then as it grows, we will continue to have more conversations about like who's managing because you still have to like your own internal like finances mm. and HR and malpractice insurance and you know all who's setting like, up all that who's doing all that I did it in the beginning yeah. with a, an accountant yeah. and then we just parsed it out between us yeah. doing other stuff yeah so what does your day-to-day look like right now I I never know yeah. it's like a lot of responding email so it's probably half dealing with current clients and maybe 70% dealing with current clients now and about 30% on new business and whether or not that's a call to understand who it is or trying to figure out and, you know, bring in business for our clients, et cetera. So it's all, you know, I could have a day that is just all back-to-back meetings. And then I have some that it's just like calls with looking, you know, responding to emails and stuff like that. It's just constant though. <laughs> How do you balance being a mom and working and starting a new business? Because they're both a lot of work. <laughs> they're both a lot of work. I mean, A, the key for me is an amazing, you know, nanny who <laughs> like, like amazing. And I got very lucky in this one, but like I am was very, I was looking for a very, very specific skill set. Mm-hmm. Um, and she has been amazing. So that was one, you know, referencing again how we don't watch our own kids, you know. And then it's like what the great thing about this is it gives me the ability to take the time that I really want and need and and can be present at the field trip and not be like, oh, you know, making excuses for it. And, you know, I'll, I'll do calls at nine o'clock at night. I don't care because mm-hmm. the kids are in bed. I just won't do it like, you know, around the dinner time or when I'm taking them to school, which is how it should be and the culture should be. I mean, the the nine to five or eight to five was clearly invented so men could get out of the house before kids were awake or like, you know, because <laughs> it, it makes no sense with the, with the school schedule whatsoever. And it's not necessarily when well, I'm from the music industry. So we didn't, even, our office didn't even open until 10, you know, so and it allowed me always to drop the kids off at school. And I still do. And they, they go to school at 830. And I will continue to do that. So if anybody ever says like, can you meet at eight or 830? I'm like, no, I cannot. I can meet at nine. Right. You know, unless you want to come to Tribeca and I can be right there next to you. Sure. I'll meet you at 830. <laughs> can walk and talk. But, right? <laughs> you know, I'm, and that, I think that's part of it is communicating those things. Instead of pretending that I'm not a woman and I don't have kids, I am a single mom and I have kids. I'm really great at my job. That does not make me not great at my job. Mm-hmm. You know, it actually makes me better at my job, to be honest, because I am so focused when I'm not with them. I'm so laser focused. So, you know, I've had clients that have needed me on the weekends and we have a house in Fire Island and that's where they are right now. And, um, you know, uh, like if I if they need me and I need to talk to them on a Sunday at six, yes, I will put them in front of a movie or an iPad. They're <laughs> not going – the world is not going, you know, they're, they're still going to know how to talk and walk and read and all that kind of stuff. Like, you know, so I'm all, I also forgive myself for doing the kinds of things that are like frowned upon, you know, I give myself allowances for that. It took a long time, 
Don't. What you would know? you say is frowned upon? No, just like not paying attention to your kids, like when you're in your present and like, you know, maybe they're on an iPad too long because I need <laughs> to like do something myself. You know, it's, yeah. it's, they're all going to be fine. You know, they have a great life. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, I think a lot of, you know, women put pressure on themselves to like if their kids are around to like be so present mm-hmm. all the time. And it is about, you know, quality, not quantity. And I, you know, I try to do that as much as I can. Sometimes I can't, you know, sometimes I just want a break, yeah. you know. How did you get to this place? Like you said, you weren't always like this when you first had the kids. You had to figure, figure a lot out. I, you know, I think. Give me some comes, advice. Yeah. <laughs> I think, it, look, I think it just comes naturally yeah. and like letting go of the guilt, letting go of the guilt, letting go of the guilt, you know, because kids ultimately, you know, helicopter parenting is not great. You want your kids to be independent. You want them to be independent the sooner, like from from birth, you know, basically, and knowing that they have agency in their bodies and who they are. It's not what you're telling them to be. And it really starts very young. And do you have any uh, tips for staying grounded during times of like high stress, being overwhelmed? I mean, I just always tell myself, look, I'm I'm not curing cancer. You know, I'm not out there solving world peace. Like everybody is going to live and survive. And, you know, as long as I'm healthy, my kids are healthy, like everything is fine. I feel like we say yeah. that. So. That's what I find myself saying a lot too. I'm like, this yes. is not rocket science. Like we're tweeting. Yeah. <laughs> That's what we're doing here. <laughs> yeah. So it's okay. And like, It'll you know, okay. look, I, I take great pride in my work and I, you know, take it very seriously. But if it's, you know, if I get overwhelmed and stressed, I just have to be like – this is this is a small little bump in the road and mm-hmm. everything's going to be fine. Yeah, absolutely. You know? What would you say being an entrepreneurista means to you? Being an entrepreneurista to me means being confident in your uh, abilities and your passions and w- your purpose in life. Well, thank you so yes. much for joining us today. This thank was definitely you. enlightening and I learned so much just from speaking Aww. with you today. Thank you. Can you share with everyone where to find you, follow you, get in touch with you? Sure. I'm really only on Instagram and I'm uh, my personal is at Jennifer Justice League because of course I had to use. <laughs> we didn't even talk that. about that, your last name. I know. I know. You sound like a superhero. Um, I tell are. my kids, by the way, that I am all the time. I'm not convinced. Um, and uh, at the real Justice department is our companies and your website is the real justice department the real no it's just the justice the department, justice department because i own the domain to the justice department dept very smart always get your own ip <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> well thank you thank you and thank you everyone for listening i'm courtney and i'm stephanie and this is the best business meeting we've ever had <laughs> Thanks for listening. 